0: Hey, good morning, everybody. I want to thank you for listening in to the Horizon podcast series, and today is a very exciting day. This is the first video conference, uh, one-on-one sit-down that we're doing, and I couldn't have uh, asked for a better distinguished guest to join us, and I'm not going to take too much of her of her thunder. I don't want to do any disjustice whatsoever to uh, what an amazing individual um, she is, and I've had the pleasure of talking with her. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Ms. Debbie Morton.
1: Hi, Dustin. I'm really excited to be here today. Um, As you know, we've had a little bit of a conversation. I've had an interesting journey through education. I started out as a middle school health teacher and realized as I was going through that and coaching some sports teams and working with some activities with children that I really wanted to find a, a platform to make an even bigger difference in what I was doing. So I looked into administration and got into an assistant principalship at a high school which was different much different than a middle school Um, and from there i just kept trying to find new challenges and and new ways i could advance myself Um, i've had a unique experience in that i have had administrative positions in delaware maryland and new jersey which has given me a lot of insight into the differences of how things are managed what expectations are Um, curriculum. And I've also been in a unique unique spot that I have been an administrator from pre-kindergarten level through 12th grade. Um, And that has opened my eyes up to so much, the differences in how we approach who we're talking with, how we're working with them. And recently, I actually had an opportunity in Maryland to work as the Striving Readers uh, Literacy Grant Coordinator And that actually covered the entire county, even though it was a school based uh, job, Mm -hmm. and I got to see how much the coming together as a community and, and working with resources together really made a difference on us moving things forward and helping our children. Uh, When that grant position ended, I actually moved into a consultant position with a company and I'm now creating content for and providing virtual workshops to help parents engage in their children's education. Um, Variety of of fun and exciting topics that we've been doing for them. Um, And I'm I'm here today to, to try and share some of the things I've learned over the years.
0: That's awesome. I tell you that, you know, that's exactly why I wanted you to introduce yourself because when we were talking through, you know, uh, LinkedIn, their messaging, um, you know, just your insight and I can tell that deep passion and, and inspiration to really want to help people, you know, I'm like, okay, I got to, I got to get this story out there because I think there's, there's so many, and not just teachers, but so many people kind of in the world that's really want to change. Right. When, when we think about going through COVID and all the stuff that's happened, People are looking for that that value now they want to go do something that you know they were excited about once before but you know okay can i go make it you know a career now and i think that's amazing all the levels and journeys you've been through because one thing you can't discount is true experience and, and when you're able to, to yeah. say i can relate to you at all of these levels because i was there and i know what you're going through um i think that's amazing so I definitely want to take a moment and say thank you for all of that service, because, you know, I think a lot of times um, parents even struggle to really give all their their children what they need. And sometimes that teacher is a beautiful resource to really help a young mind and then really shape and and change the future. So I just want to say thank you um, for that. And, you know, the first thing that always pops in my mind is I love finding out the motivation of people. Right. I, I really love knowing your why and what inspired you. So, um, you know, let's go back, you know, those years. What really motivated you to dive into the educational field?
1: I'm going to, there's a variety of things that led me to it. I actually, when I uh, started college, started out as a, in sports management. I thought I wanted to be um, a professional agent because I just love the team aspect and I love, um, sports and what it can bring to the people around them, whether they're playing or watching. And as I was going through my first year of courses, it just it didn't sit right with me. It didn't it didn't feel like I was doing anything important. And I, I came home and was was transitioning, changing my, um, my college, talking to my parents about what I wanted to do. started really thinking about where where my mom had started. My mom worked in education, And then she did a career pivot and got into the business field. And I remember thinking the pride I felt when I was listening to the stories of people talking about my mom as a teacher, and I can remember the excitement I felt when I got to do things. So I started trying to think about what can I do because I want to make a difference for people. Mm -hmm. And then I got an opportunity for a little summer camp to teach um, these young girls field hockey.
0: Oh, okay. That's awesome.
1: And when I went there and started talking with the kids and started showing them, you know, how to hit the ball, how to stop the ball, how to move and all of that, that's when I found it. That's when I said, this is what I want to make a difference in somebody's life. I want to help them grow. I want them to find that this same excitement. So that's really
0: where it all started. That's awesome. And, you know, when you talk to people, you can always see it in their face and hear it in their voice. Right. It's that one moment like the light bulb goes off and this is what I what I want to do. So I think that's awesome. And, you know, I've had the privilege of, of talking with a few transitioning out of you know the educational field. That's always been the number one question. And what I love is it's kind of the same answer, but it's the best answer to have is taking care of somebody else. And when you see the excitement in a child's face that, you know, they get it. And because it was, you know, the teachings and the uh, instrumental lessons you were, were trying to get them to learn. So I think that's beautiful. That's that's a great message to share. And you can even say it could share to um, maybe helping somebody find their why and say, um, you know, I do enjoy helping people. So maybe the educational, you know, field might be somewhere I could go into. You know, so I think it kind of serves a dual purpose. And, you know, obviously, things change quite a bit over the years. So what was education like, you know, back in in the um, beginning stages, compared to what you're kind of seeing now?
1: When I walked through my first set of classroom doors, I, I felt alone. I felt like I had to figure this out. I had to have all of the answers. Um, I had to know what was expected of me without actually being told what was expected of me and now I'm as I've gone through and started to to grow and learn I realized that as we have evolved is as education educators and as we have evolved in understanding instructional strategies we have really leaned into that the team concept Mm -hmm. um, that we're better together. I first started seeing this in the educational field when our junior high school that I, where I was working was transitioning into a middle school and they were really going with the, the theory of, we're going to have a team. We're gonna have a team of four teachers so that all of these students on this team go between the four teachers. These teachers can really get to know um, the students The students can start to see connections across curriculum because now the teachers will have a common planning time. So that's when I first started seeing that transition in education is when we started changing from this silo of I'm in my classroom all by myself. And um, we moved into the let's figure this out together. Let's work together to move our kids forward. Let's work together to move our curriculum forward. And that, that to me was a, a turning point because then all of a sudden in my head, I was connecting that to the great things that I have seen and, and achieved through sports because mm-hmm. we were all working together towards a common goal. And in that position, you know, I got to be very involved with that transformation, going to national conferences and understanding how we're gonna make this change. Cause you don't just flip a light switch and say, okay, well now we're this. Um, so there was a lot of uh, training there was uh, we had a big implementation plan of how we're going to do this who's going to be involved in it who are the stakeholders how do we bring everybody on board what's our end goal um, what are we going to do along the way to make sure we're staying true to the course and that's where i started getting that itch to go into leadership because i said this is this is what it's about now we're making a transformational change to what we're doing and I can see how it's benefiting kids so when when an opportunity arose I went into administration and that was that was a different eye-opening experience for me because when I went in it was more of a you check the box Mm -hmm. you're overseeing the building um, you're evaluating teachers, you're finding who needs to come in for PD. And I, I felt like my first experience into it that I was kind of going through the motions because I was trying to figure out what a leader was. I was trying to figure out what my role was gonna be. And I had to figure out how, how to make it mine. So shortly after having that position, um, I moved down into to Maryland and worked with um, a superintendent there when I got into administration, who challenged the way you thought. It was nothing for her to bring a book study to the administrative meetings and saying, "Hey, we're all going to learn this book together, and we're going to grow together." Right. And it started—you know—you got that feel of okay, education is transforming. We're growing. We're not just checking the boxes and moving through. And That's one of the things that I liked about education is we can constantly evolve. We can constantly change our thinking. And I have seen that approach. Most recently, one of uh, the biggest changes I'm seeing in education is that we are working at not just telling teachers what to do, but coaching them so that they can do it. And when I'm talking about coaching them so they can do it, Helping the teachers get into their data, helping the teachers get into the instructional strategies and helping them find the solutions, not just saying, well, I'm the boss or I'm the leader or I'm the principal and this is how you're going to do it, but helping them come up with their own why. Why do I need to do this this way? Why is this going to be best for my kids? And then they can go through the what and the how. And that has been one of the, the biggest transformations I've experienced in education recently. Um, and then you you add on the, the layer of the, the technology that's now available. 100%. There are so many resources out there that the teachers aren't having to, um, they can, but they don't have to create a poster for this or a worksheet for this, because there's technology that can get, get out there and help them get their kids engaged. But there's also now, there's technology that can help make uh, a teacher's life easier in that there's some time management tools. There are platforms out there where a teacher can get into and have all of the information they need right at their fingertips instead of having 18 folders that they have to carry around to try and get it out. So it has been evolving so quickly, but at the same point, so slowly, if that makes sense. Um, I feel like, I feel like we're always looking for that next thing, but not always quick enough to adopt it because change is hard. Yes. And that's one of the things that, that I've always tried to work through when I've been an instructional leader is how do you make it that you're, you're changing a situation, not changing an individual, you you're trying to create opportunity for growth. So those are some of the things that I'm excited about in the way I've seen education change.
0: That's awesome. I think you hit on, you know, a lot of good points there. And even that's a whole nother episode in itself is just the (laughs) transformation of, of education. And, you know, the one thing I loved you talk about was the leadership part, because, you know, a lot of times when we are put in charge of other individuals, um, the first person we got to lead is ourselves. And and this is something that I think gets overlooked and not talked about enough. And, you know, some of these conversations I've had with the transitioning, you know, educational field, um, some of those conversations were involved in, you know, I don't really see how I'm a leader. And it's, it's kind of eye opening, because, number one, you're probably one of the the biggest leaders, you know, when you think about the grand scope of things, because to your point, when you, when you use those technologies and you start to plan your days and, and plan those sessions, that's a transferable skill that the children can start to learn, you know, when, when, you know, start to teach them other things than just the curriculum, you know, time management and, you know, focusing skills. I think that's with technology now, the average attention span, I think, is seven seconds at best before, you know, we flip to a screen or or turn on an app, so I do think there is beauty in in teaching kids, you know, some of those posters, like you talked about, because I remember when I was in school, back in um, elementary school, like, I always thought it was so fascinating, the creativity that my teachers came up with, because it was some form of interaction with the student, you know, you got to put a star up, or you flipped your card if you were bad, and, and unfortunately, I flipped my card a few times. I was a little bit of a troublemaker, but that was so much more than just you got an email saying you know you were a bad student today, right? I didn't really see the impact because I wasn't the one that was you know really paying for those consequences. We'll say so. Um, I do think there is some beauty there in some of the the handmade work, but also to your point. Embracing technology is huge. And, and especially with the demanding expectations now that post COVID, it's a lot more, you know, I need this quicker and faster, and I expect better results, especially in the educational field. You know, I would venture to say that the um, demand to make sure students are much more equipped with technology is a large pressure that's kind of coming down on the educational field. And, you know, I want to transition a little bit. What were some of um, the struggles that you personally faced as a leader in the classroom, as a leader in the administration era? What, what were some of those struggles?
1: When I was trying to be in the classroom and be the leader, some of the struggles were the accessibility of resources, mm-hmm. um, being able to get what I felt I knew my children needed. and having to find ways to create that and create that interaction for them. And sometimes as in the classroom, it was also, um, it was difficult to try and understand the big picture because sometimes leaders don't explain why something is happening. They just tell you it's happening. And then you're, you're sitting in your classroom trying to process it and figure it out. So taking that in one, when I went into leadership I wanted to make sure that I I was transparent in the why and transparent in the the how and the what. Uh, I like to think of uh, Simon Sinek's golden circle of Mm -hmm. people won't buy the, the how or the what until they know the why. And my first struggles were when I didn't clearly communicate the why because I had thought that they just knew it. And when I as soon as that light bulb went off and I said, this needs to be communicated clearly I I sat down and I, I came up with the, these are our big picture ideas, this is why we're doing this. Um, this is where it came from even because there was so much power when the teacher started realizing that these ideas or these strategies were coming from the ideas that they brought to me because now I knew their pain points. I knew what they needed solved. I knew what they were looking for from me. So by getting that transparency and, and getting that communication, I started to see that leadership um, was going to be different. Uh, it was a struggle at first because, you know, you think, okay, they're coming to me because I'm supposed to have the answer to this. I'm supposed to solve this problem. And I, I learned through that struggle that the conversation oftentimes leads to the solution.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And oftentimes when I sat back and listened, they came with their own solutions they came up with that on their own because i was asking the right questions but it's not just always about the questions you ask it's it's what you do with the answers you're getting mm-hmm. so that that was a big turning point for me and it it took me from that pain point of feeling like i was the boss to that okay now i'm coaching and guiding these people, I am right there in in the knee deep in the mud with them. Yep. Um, we're going we're going to work on this together. And then when I got to a district level leadership, the the challenges changed yet again because now you have a broader audience that you that you're looking at, um, a broader audience that you're responding to. So you have to look at it and realize that okay, I understand the why. I've communicated the why. But the what and the how may be different at different schools. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to to pivot and understand that. And if you, when I've seen problems at at a district level, it's oftentimes because it's a one size fits all and they're not customizing solutions. So that was a, a big learning point for me when I got to um, a district level is to really start thinking about, okay, well, this school needs this, and this is mm-hmm. how we're still gonna get to our why, but our what and our how are gonna be a little bit different. So those were some of the uh, the, the struggle points that, that I had with leadership was trying to do that. The, the other big one that I have is the number of people I've worked with over the years that have said to me, well, I'm not a leader. And that one has always been one that I've struggled with because the people that often are saying I'm not a leader are saying it because they're in a classroom and they're teaching and they don't see their leadership. And to me, that was something that I learned was my job to start bringing that out in people, helping them find their why, helping them find their voice, helping them realize that their leadership is when they walked into a a meeting and they turned people's thinking around because of their, their passion and their conviction and really letting people realize that leadership is your actions and it is your words and also trying to demonstrate that the leader and learner role flips. Mm -hmm. So there are times that I'm the leader and then there are times that I'm the learner because the person that I'm interacting with has more knowledge, more experience. And to be able to, to flip that switch is something that has also been very valuable. And I, I do find that people in education are very good at that because they, they are ready for that aha moment. They wanna, they wanna grab onto something. So when you start realizing that, okay, have them be the leader in something, ask them to do some of the trainings, you are really starting to capture those people around you that are the experts in their field.
0: Absolutely. I think, you know, one of the things that jumped out in my mind, you know, as, as we talk, my background's coming from kind of the opposite world. I spent 10 years in, in corporate, but, um, you know, the beauty of it is leadership doesn't change, whether you're in corporate, whether you're you know, in the educational field. And the one thing you talked about that really resonated was, you know, what we always called situational leadership, you know, knowing mm-hmm. what, what situation needs something different. And, you know a set of teachers and destination a can be very different than destination b and that's a, a, a really good point you made was one size does not fit all and um you know when you talk about you know delegating some of the projects to the teachers to bring to the meeting i mean that's that itself is so powerful because you're, you're really empowering someone to kind of think for themselves even further and then you know that mind starts to turn okay what project can I give maybe the students to get them to start teaching, you know, the things I want them to learn, not just me always telling them. You know, I always think about your parents, right? When you're getting told by your parents, you do "Mm mm-hmm, Yep, got Mm -hmm. it, yep. But you know, when you make them talk about the consequences and and bring them to that realization, yeah, it probably wasn't the best thing I ever did. Um, I think that's so powerful. And I'm really glad you touched on that, especially from your administrative role in that leadership position, You know, and I hope that, you know, everybody watching this video today, whether they're transitioning or staying in the educational field, take that principle and go apply it. You know, so I'm really glad you brought that point up because that might be just what's needed for somebody to maybe stay in education. You know, maybe that's a different way of looking at it. Say, okay, you know, what ideas can I start to add value to and, you know, start, you know, find that spark again, find that why, why they got into teaching. Um, you know, so I want to transition just a little bit into kind of the now age, um, because there is a lot of, you know, educators transitioning and and that's absolutely okay. A a lot of people in the corporate world, I had many friends that were in finance that went to risk management, that went to marketing analysis. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you talked about some of the data points for the students trying to figure out, okay, what do I need to correct? Um, same thing happens in that corporate world. But, you know, since, since you're in this um, kind of position now, what have you seen out there? We'll start with that. What have you seen so far with educators wanting the transition? And what's maybe some advice you would give them?
1: And, and you know, this is a, a tricky spot since I am also an educator in transition and learning the ropes because I am I'm not an expert and I haven't figured it all out what i am excited about seeing is the excitement of possibility mm-hmm. that's what i'm seeing in educators out there they are excited about the possibility and i attribute that not to them just wanting to transition out of education but i attribute that to educators naturally we have a growth mindset we want to learn more we mm-hmm. want a, a new a new challenge a new success story we we want something different um, so that's one of the things that I have really seen out there is that excitement and that enthusiasm I know it has it's been difficult because I've made missteps along the way in this because the the networking is is a little bit different than what we do in the schools in the schools, mm-hmm. Um, You know somebody because they teach the same grade, you know somebody because you went to a conference together or because it's a small community, you're talking to this teacher over here because your kids play t-ball together. And now in this era, because we have become so virtual, you're trying to make those connections by looking at something online. You're Mm -hmm. trying to make a connection with someone because you saw their name or you saw their, their profile. And, you know, there's some good and there's some bad advice out there. And one of the things that that I took a misstep with is I was told um, you wanna get 500 connections. You have got to have 500 connections for to match this algorithm. And that's what you gotta do for LinkedIn. So I went out and I started collecting, I'm gonna say collecting connections. Capri. Um, yeah. And I, I re- I related it later on to somebody as it was kind of like I was collecting baseball cards, mm-hmm. um, you know, getting a lot of, of numbers fast, but not necessarily taking the time to get to know the people. And there's a lot of people on LinkedIn who are very, very, very good at connecting and making a, a strong network and strong relationships. And my first misstep was, um, one, trying trying to get those numbers quickly, because I didn't necessarily get start getting the right people that I needed. Mm-hmm. But I also followed a, a bad piece of advice. And I've had one or two other people that I've talked to have said they were told the same thing is, hey, send a connection request and ask if they have five or 10 minutes to talk. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great because people do want to be helpful. But if that's if that was the first interaction I was making with someone, which I did with with several people, um, and it doesn't sound like it's a bad thing, and I thought, okay, so maybe networking is different now that we're doing it this way. So I followed that piece of advice for a little bit, and I was getting some connections, but not a lot of responses. And I thought, well, why would they? Mm-hmm you know, if I'm asking them for five or 10 minutes, so are 10 other people. Well, now I've just asked, we've just asked them to give up an hour of their day. So instead of making that true connection where there was a, a reason, there was a why, um, I followed advice that said, ask them, people want to help, just ask them for their help. And I didn't have a plan. So the other piece that that was a misstep for me is when I was going through, and and trying to beat the algorithm of LinkedIn and trying to get my connections, I started realizing that when I was looking at my feed, I wasn't looking at a feed that was really engaging me in this career transition that I wanted to do. And I found a way, and I actually did a LinkedIn post about it, um, if anybody needed to go and look at this, I found a way that I could export my contact list into a spreadsheet and I sorted it by title mm-hmm. to see who had I connected with and where were these people. I sorted it by company to see, am I getting uh, people that are in the companies that I wanna go to? Am I, am I expanding myself out? And by doing that that analysis of, of that, I was able to look at and say, okay, I have not, I've not gone about this the right way. And I want to make sure that other people that are in this game that are in transition that are trying to grow a network, don't do those things. I mean, I I truly, I want to make a difference for someone. And those were two of my pain points. And I've learned and I've overcome and I've adapted. And now when I'm engaging with people, I'm, I'm finding my, my more authentic voice. Mm -hmm. Um, When I'm what I've chosen to post, not everybody has to post until they're ready, but I've chosen to post some things that that resonate and, and stick with me. But I found that I've gotten more value when I have started following people, mm-hmm. seeing what they're bringing to the table, learning from them, and then reaching out for the connection. Because it's it's more genuine, it is I'm learning. And that's something that I would advise anybody that is is new to this system and growing is, is be more intentional about it. I I came into this without a plan because I naturally have been able to network because Mm -hmm. of the way I've grown my career, but this was a whole different way of doing it. And it, it didn't feel the same. So I listened to people, I took their advice. Um, I got some messages and some feedback from people, and I have been able to change and grow. One of the things that I also think that can be very hard, and and this is kind of how you and I started talking the other day, is you kind of get into this almost like a competition, like you're seeing somebody else get all of these likes. You're seeing somebody else with all these post views. You're seeing someone else with 2,000 followers or 500 plus connections, and you start to compare yourself. And you had written something online that had me comment to you and we got messaging because you said something about the power of set and forget
0: mm-hmm.
1: or set and, set and get. You walked you put oh. it out there and then you walked away from it. And to be candid, I think my response to you was, "Oh my gosh, I need to do that because I felt like um, I felt like when I heard that ding, I wanted to check to see what it was and what was happening. And when you get stuck in that, you're not really engaging with the content and intent of LinkedIn. You're, you're now looking at it as how are people reacting to me? And I had a huge aha moment with that the other day. I had a post that I had put out there. And after I put it out and I was, you know, checking the little notifications and stuff, it wasn't getting a lot of interaction, not a lot of views. And I went back to it just the other day and there were well over 3,000 views of that one post.
0: That's awesome. That's
1: awesome. And that's what I want to portray is, you know, it, it's about the quality of things, but it's also about the timing. Just because I put a post out at this time doesn't mean that's when it showed up in somebody's feed. It doesn't mean that's when it showed up for them to see it. And you have to realize that with interactions on LinkedIn comes patience comes the the idea of realizing how strong and and important a network is because a lot of the posts that I see are because someone in my network liked it or commented on it and therefore that's when you start getting more views of your own stuff is when people in your network so those would be two of my big takeaways for for people that are are transitioning is to Uh, really be intentional with a plan of what you're going to do, um, so that you're not zigzagging all over the mountain, um, like I did for a little bit there. And also be being patient and realizing that you may not hear it from someone today. But that post or that comment that you made is going to sit inside of somebody and they're going to think on it. And it could be the comment or post that makes a difference for them. And that to me is what LinkedIn is all about. It is it is sharing knowledge. It is sharing experience. It is helping people grow. And that's that's how I am learning to use it.
0: Awesome. I think, um, well, number one, thanks for accepting my message. Cause you're probably like, who's this? Yeah, I want to see one. Was he trying to sell me? Sell me. He looks like a car salesman, but, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. I think um, there's so much to really to talk about within what you just said, because a lot of those points are, are huge. And, you know, the I'll be honest, where I learned to set it and forget it actually came from fishing with my grandfather when I was a kid. It's one of the best memories I have. Mm-hmm. If you ever have taken a, a young child fishing, what do they do? They cast the reel and they want to reel it back in real quick. They Because it's fun that the exciting is seeing, you know, how far you can go. And when I was was on my grandfather's boat, he'd always tell me, like, Dustin, set it and forget it. Like, forget it's there. You'll know when it's your time to reel it in because you'll see the fish bite, right? And when I think about that, um, you know, one of the things we talked about through messaging was that our, our, our reels are not real, you know, when we see social mm-hmm. media. And, and that's a really big one. I've seen, you know, some educators post about is, you know, I'm not getting the traction. I'm not... You know, getting what I want or what I need, I should say, not necessarily want. And you know, I think that's a really good reminder that you talked about is is it's patience, you know, there is patience to getting those those views seen. And there is some science behind LinkedIn, and and I'm working on that as well myself, being a consultant, because I I do have this passion to want to help people career change and change their businesses so it changes their life. But if I just say, hey, I'm a consultant, come work with me. Yeah, I'm going to be out of business really quick. So you touched on a really good, you know, point of staying patient with that. Um, and, and there is a science to that to that post, you know, how many hashtags you put, how many emojis are in mm-hmm. it, you know, how far spaced is that, you know, and over time you'll learn those things and, and that becomes knowledge. But I love that you talked about, you went from, you know, a couple views to, you know, a couple days later, over 3000 views. Because what that tells you is that's the power of influence. And and that is is massive because, you know, when I first met you in the connections, um, I was guilty of this as well. You know, when I wanted to become a consultant, I said, well, I gotta have everybody know what I do. And, you know, I learned the heart, that's wrong because I wanna know or I want people to know why I wanna do what I mm-hmm. do now. And so I think that's amazing you talk about that relationship building. And I'll tell you one thing I'll echo is don't get in that competition for views, likes, or, you know, um, how many uh, uh, shares, you know, you get of your post. Because if that's your true passion of really, you know, setting that post to help someone, what you said was perfect. Somebody somewhere, even if it's just one person is going to get better because of that post. And that is the purpose of LinkedIn. And I do think there has to be a mission of us who think that way to kind of, you know, protect LinkedIn a little bit because there are, and you and, I, and you said this when we were messaging, there's so many opinions and so much advice, you know, do this, don't do that. And when you don't know what you don't know, you gravitate to, hey, okay, that does sound like a, you know, a good idea. Um, you know, so I really think from a posting standpoint, um, I definitely want to get your views on what you would recommend not doing if you're looking to transition, not just from education, but just from any career to another. What are some things you would you would advise not to do?
1: And, and again, you know, I have my opinion. So I'm giving my opinion now um, because, as we said, there are so many opinions out there. But I really think... I really think when you're looking to transition, you need to learn to tell your story, not just not just what you want to do when I want a job and I, I'll take anything kind kind of idea. And this, this came out of a book that I just read recently because it was a, it was one of the parent workshops that I was preparing content for. And it was the art of storytelling. So I read this book, um, The Art of Storytelling, and I really learned that. You want to make people feel something. You want to make people almost be able to see it, hear it, smell it. You want all of those senses involved. So when, you, when you're posting, and, and again, you know, I have not figured this all out. This is, this is just where, where what I'm seeing and feeling is that if you can tell your story, that's going to resonate with people. Um, I just messaged someone last night because of something she put on there, and I just said, I, I have to thank you for doing this because it just it resonated with, with me it it made me stop and think. And that's what I want to, to tell people to do. Um, I saw the post one time and it was, it was somebody who was saying how hard the job search is. I'm exhausted from this job search. Um, it is so hard. Nobody's giving me a chance. Nobody's um, even, you know, looking at my resume, I'm not getting called to interviews, and I'm just ready to give up. That is true. That's how we feel when we're in a job search. But when I read it, having been someone who won, I would like to get into a new career field and do a pivot, but I have also been that person that has been on the hiring side of things. And when that one came into my feed and I read that, I thought, well, if I was a hiring manager, my concern would be, are they going to give up and want to give up when it gets tough if I hire them? And I know exactly what the person was feeling, but I I would caution because it's a way different story than the people that are posting like, oh my gosh, I got another rejection email but what i've realized is that i need to do something with my resume i need to work on this in my interview Mm -hmm. i'm ready to keep moving forward and they're showing that growth mindset yes they're saying i didn't get it but they're saying but i know why Mm -hmm. i'm not having any excuses here i'm moving forward with this and i think that's important to think about before you comment or before you hit post what's my story that I'm telling here by doing this? Yeah. And that that would be something that that I would look at.
0: Absolutely. I think you're spot on. And, you know, I'll share something from the corporate uh, side. And really, it's not just corporate. I'll say it's kind of a practice that a really good mentor of mine told me a long time ago when I first started, you know, with my first leadership role. I was kind of the, um, the hot-headed leader. I had a little bit of a you know, a temper because I wanted success and I wanted my team to succeed. But I was so focused on, you know, uh, we'll say, quote, unquote, motivating that I would get, a you know, a little uh, heated. And, you know, that um, mentor pulled me aside and he said, I'm going to tell you something that's going to save you from getting fired. And I'm like, OK, what's that? <laughs> and uh, he goes, anytime you're mad at your team or mad at whatever it is and you want to tell them how mad you are. I want you to type up the email, and then I want you to create this folder where it sends it to yourself, and send that email to yourself, and then walk away. You know, kind of set it and forget it. Come back to it later when you're calmed down, reread that email, and then smack yourself for for sending it to yourself, right? Because you were going to send that to your team, and my goodness, that was so eye opening. Because what I didn't realize is my intentions, you know, were good, but as perception is reality with individuals. You know, I was really disengaging the, the trust of my team. And to your point, when you talk about hiring, right, when you're on LinkedIn, your goal is to build a trust between that company and yourself to say, you know, when you give me the chance or take that chance on me to have this position, you can trust me that I'm not going to drop the ball. You know, I'm not going to give up. So that is a, a massive call out that is is awesome to hear because I don't think there's enough, you know, we'll say calling it out. You know, I kind of joke with people, save that for Facebook and Instagram and and I think Twitter and all the other social medias. You know, LinkedIn is such a powerful source for um, networking. And I promise everyone, LinkedIn's not paying us to say this. This is just personal experience, you know, that you and I have both had actually by doing what we're talking about, just networking. I mean, we have two individuals right here. I've never met you before last week, and, and we didn't know each other existed, but, you know, now we're trying to influence and change, you know, things for good. So, you know, use this as a great example of those of you out there who, who do feel defeated. Just know, you know, that one moment of weakness could determine the rest of your life. And I think that yeah. that's powerful. So I do thank you for calling that out. And, you know, so I want to transition to kind of our, our last topic when we were talking the other day. Um, what are some of the resources? Cause I I loved how you attacked your situation because it wasn't, you know, a pity party we'll say it was, I knew, or I know what I don't know. So how do I go find it? So what are some resources you've used, um, to kind of help yourself?
1: Well, and I'm, I'm going to speak to that last comment first. I, I learned, and I don't know who coined this phrase, but I learned to fail forward. Mm -hmm. Um, every time there's the old saying out there it doesn't matter how many times you fall down it's how many times you get back up so i am constantly looking to improve and to learn and to figure out how i can help myself how i can help others um so i've done i've done some of the linkedin learning courses to try and figure out and that was good for me in that it also was helping me identify the direction i wanted to go because i do have so many passions that are all revolve around um, educating people, helping people, helping them have success in in life, in in work, in what they're doing. So that helped me fine tune, maybe go go down that funnel, down that pipeline to really get to where I wanted to be. And in doing that, I started um, reaching out to some other people and saying, you know, hey, what are you thinking on this? How are you doing this? And through that, I found Carrie Conover. Mm -hmm. And Carrie Conover is very passionate about education and educators, but she also has um, had a neat career that she transitioned out of education into the ed tech community. Now she's an entrepreneur. So I found her and found um, one of the resources that she has out there, which is called Classroom to Boardroom. Mm And classroom to boardroom, a, it's a really neat concept. I, you can sign up for it month by month and go through these modules that she has. It's actual, it's actual well thought out coursework that she's created um, or you can buy it and, and join it for a year. And what you get with it is you get a monthly group coaching call and you get these modules of information. And I said, I'm gonna try this for one month because someone had told me how great it was. About 15 minutes into the coaching call, I was like, oh, this is good, I, I'm really, I'm getting this. And she did, it's not just, it's not just talking about what to do. Um, yes, we looked at, at resumes and talked about that, but the one that I joined for my first coaching call she actually gave us an activity and put us into teams. And the, act, the challenge was we had information about schools. We had information about how many students they had, about how many licenses they had bought of this product and what the engagement usage was, what the buy-in usage um, level was. And we had to figure out a plan for how we were gonna expand our book of business. And she let us go and get get dirty with this um, mm-hmm. with our team. We we all had a, a spreadsheet. We were working on this and, and figuring out our plan of attack and stuff. And then she came back and brought us all back and started showing us how she would do it. And that was my aha moment when I went, oh my gosh, this is this is exciting. But the reason I'm going into detail on the on the way she did that is because it's not just it's not just learning about something. She was giving you a practice so that you could try this. And is this going to be for me? Because a lot of people think that like, this one was customer success. They think customer success is just about going out and training people to do it. And there's so much more to it. So she is really pulling back the covers and showing you what each of these roles is. So each module she's doing is something different. Now, that has been a great resource for me, and I've been very excited about it. She has a podcast that you can follow. Um, you can find her at classroom But I've also been listening to uh, Gain, Grow, Retain podcast, which is a customer success one because that's the field I've gotten into. So I would really suggest to people as you're trying to grow is, is find Find a podcast, find something that while you're driving, you can listen to it while you're watching your, your kid at T-ball, you can listen to these podcasts and grow because a lot of the podcasts give you a much broader idea of what these, what these things are that we're, that we're all trying to transition into what, what the realities of this are. Um, I went because of something I saw on LinkedIn. I f- purchased the book called the customer success professionals handbook and I've seen that one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I, I dug into that one actually this weekend started, and there's already been a lot of these aha moments for me. Um, I think I may have already worn out one highlighter trying to capture some of the ideas <laughs> that are in there because it, it's valuable. But when you're looking to, to make a career transition, I would say broaden what you're looking at. Uh, even when I was in education as a principal, I didn't just read education books. I read leadership books. Um, I can remember reading, um, a leadership book that, and I hate to say this cause it's not always a popular thing, but Rudy Giuliani wrote this leadership book after he had to deal with what happened with nine 11. Mm-hmm. And there were some great teachable moments that as an educator, I wouldn't have run across that if I didn't expand myself out and read business books. Um, I read one book that, that I really enjoyed that was, um, it wasn't written by him but it was called coach em way up and it was mm-hmm. basically teaching you how to coach the john wooden way yeah and we all know how successful he's been so as you as you're trying to to grow and and um transition out of something expand what you're looking at so that you you can talk the language um, I'm following a lot of, of people on LinkedIn and a lot of different podcasts to make sure that, that I know the language. There's so many transferable skills that I know I have and can bring mm-hmm. to it, but the language is different. It's the same end goal.
0: Yep.
1: Um, if I'm creating an implementation plan for a company, I have done that in, in a school setting, as have other educators. We just need to learn the language. And... And really just be excited about it. You know, figure out as you're going through and learning these things, figure out your why. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I wrote about this one time and it was, it's a fill in the blank. I love blank, but I really get joy from blank. Yeah. Um, so so figuring out your why and you're going to figure that out as you try and go through trainings and courses and stuff. And not everything has to has to cost money. You can go on YouTube. And if you're looking to get into sales, we'll go and look and do a YouTube and see what Salesforce is all about. Um, find out more about HubSpot. So there's lots of ways when people say, you know, I can't afford this. It doesn't have to cost you a lot of money to do it and that's going to make it so that when you do go to expand your network, you're now speaking their language. Absolutely. And that's 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 going to help you as you're growing. So those are some of the ways that I've I've looked at growing and and I ask a lot of questions. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So. yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of good points. And you know one of the things um kind of we'll start you know going through those points. The first one was the the teaching aspect. And you know, so far I've been, you know, really privileged to actually have a couple of transitioning teachers as clients I'm working with. And, you know, the one thing I do is, is um, I always like to look at the resume first and suggest, you know, changes because, you know, to your point, you know, there is value in those who have worked in that corporate world who can break down the jargon and, and can break down, you know, what these job descriptions are. Cause I'll tell you half of those job descriptions, I was the one interviewing people for. And the majority of my interview was actually explaining, okay, I know you read this, but here's what is actually gonna be taking place. You know, so one of the things I like to do um, is have the clients I work with actually change the resume themselves based on some of the feedback I give them. And, you know, I always like to explain, it's gonna come across maybe as if I'm lazy, but I'm not, I promise. It's I wanna show you and teach you because there's going to be a point where you're not going to have that person or that module that has all that experience with you, right? They're going to then become kind of a reference or a resource. So if you can learn to do these things on your own while working with somebody or working with a course, that's so much more valuable than just just giving you the answers. And and that's the approach I really like to take with every client I work with is it's, it's not that this is a transaction. It's what can I show you? And what can I teach you that you can take with you? And that's way far more valuable. So I love to hear that these programs. And I remember you were messaging me about it. And I actually started to look up that, um, that those modules you were talking about. And having been in the corporate world for, you know, a long time, there were still things that I learned, like, okay, maybe I could actually apply that approach to the next client or to the next person I work with so even, you know, those resources or those, you know, yeah, those resources that are deemed, you know, experts or have the knowledge, there's still so much more learning and growth that can take place. So um, the second thing I love that you called out was the cost of it, right? And this is, you know, kind of the, the topic I really wanted to, to put out there for everybody is, you know, really be weary about what you're paying for. Um, I've unfortunately I've talked through, you know, not just on LinkedIn, but outside as well. Um, people have paid for coaching services or paid for resume services, but it wasn't really, you know, what they thought it was gonna be. So my advice to everybody out there, and especially, you know, maybe the educators that are looking to transition, you know, don't be afraid to ask that individual, well, how are you gonna help me? Like, what is it that, that you bring that could help me achieve the goal that I want to achieve because a lot of times we're almost afraid to approach that way because we don't maybe know enough about the industry they're in you know it'd be tough to challenge somebody who's been in the corporate world for 10 years but forget all that you know don't be afraid to speak up and say you know what what, what are you going to help me with like how can i expect this to be a positive and not just you know take my runny, my money and deliver you know, a half-baked sandwich on my plate. Like I want right. that Gordon Ramsay five-star meal, right? So that'd be my advice, you know, kind of um, backing that up is, is don't be afraid to ask those questions as you are networking and you are messaging. And what you'll find is if somebody really is truly passionate about helping you, yeah, you might get some, you know, form of sales pitch, but you're going to be able to really decipher, okay, those are five things that I know I need, you know, improvement on. And, and I think the greatest thing you talked about was the examples, you know, she gave you those examples to go do and go practice. So, you know, for everybody listening, keep that in mind. YouTube is, a, is an amazing platform that is so underutilized. And even the device that's in your hand, 90% of the time, your cell phone, it's connected to the world. You know, hop on Dr. Google, as I call it, because, you know, everybody goes to Google for everything and don't be afraid to look at those. So, um, I think that's just really good, transparent advice. And I'm really happy you brought that up. So as we wrap up here today, because I know you got a busy schedule ahead of you, you know, I kind of want to give you the, the, the final message. So what would you say to everybody who's struggling or maybe just feel like this isn't going to work? What would be your hoorah that you would tell them?
1: You know, I would, it's funny because you kind of alluded to it earlier with your set and forget and your fishing with your with your granddad, but um, my husband has gotten me passionate about deep sea fishing, and I don't know if I saw this on a t-shirt or a coffee mug or a commercial or what it was, but I, I've, I've got it. I actually have it on my computer as a reminder every day, and it's just the saying, you won't catch the big ones sitting on the banks of life. And you really, there's just so much thing, so many things out there to get excited about and to take, take a calculated risk. Don't, don't just jump in uh, two feet and not know what's in the water. But if, if, if you're just gonna sit on the banks of life, you're not gonna catch the big ones. So, so go out there and, and create your own energy and your own excitement and great things. You're never gonna know what's gonna be on the end of that hook. You're gonna catch something great.
0: Beautiful. And with that, Debbie, I thank you for your time today. It was an absolute pleasure having you, especially as the first, you know, um, first live, you know, session, we'll say, I truly thank your insight. And for everybody listening, got to do me one big favor, hop on LinkedIn. And if you don't have LinkedIn, create a LinkedIn account and get connected with Debbie. Don't don't bombard her messages because there's a, it's a hard to read all of them. But use use her as a great resource. There's so much insight and just experience and passion she has to help people. So make sure to connect with her. I appreciate all of you guys listening today. And if you haven't yet, subscribe to the Horizon podcast series. I'm going to have more great leaders on, such as Debbie, to try to help and influence and in how we see leadership in the world. Stay blessed, everybody have a great day.
1: Thank you.